If you have your Bibles, which I always encourage people to bring their Bibles uh, because it's great to, to follow along. Um, on, on just a, a slight side note, the fact that we are able to have Bibles of our own is, is a huge blessing um, because there are parts of the world, even today, in which it is forbidden to have your own Bible. Um, and so I encourage you to bring your Bible so that you can follow along on your Bible, make notes with it, in it, um, whether you're a person who marks it up or writes on pages and sticks it in there, um, just so that you can do that. Turn then with me to uh, Matthew 22, verses 1 through 14. We are finishing up today the, the third phase of this critique that Jesus has been giving and I apologize for those who are watching, as well as for Josie. If I'm not looking more towards you, it's because the mass is over here. Um, so I'm naturally drawn towards that. Um, we're, we're looking at the third phase here of, of Jesus' critique against the religious leaders as he's in Jerusalem. They've openly denied his authority as the Son of God. And so now Jesus has been telling them these three parables to try to wake them up to get them to pay attention. Now, all of them have basically been telling the same story, but focusing on different aspects. The first of which was focusing on, on the root of authority and how it comes from God. And, and then the next one was talking about the responsibility to, to respond appropriately. And then we have today. This, this final parable is going to deliver a very clear picture of the outcome of their actions. So if you are able... Please stand for the reading of God's word today in Matthew 22, verses 1 through 14. It says, Once more Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, but they would not come. Again, he sent other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, Look. I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fatted calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they made light of it and went away, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his slaves, mistreating them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their cities. Then he said to his slaves, The wedding is ready. But those invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, into the main streets and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad. So the wedding, banquet was, wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was, wearing a who was not wearing a wedding robe. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. This is the word of the Lord. And together we say, thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, as we dive into this last parable today. I pray that your words might pierce our hearts. As it says, it can pierce both bone and marrow. Lord, may we be open 
to the critique and the challenges, as well as the encouragement and praise and glory that you have for us this morning. It is in your name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you a question here. It might be a personal question. We'll, we'll see. We're going to think back to your high school years, your college years. For some, that was a few years ago. For some, it was a few more years than others. Uh, but, but think back to your high school years, your college years, um, and, and think about those parties. We all know there's those parties that went on, right? Uh, I want you to think about, you don't have to answer me, but were you ever one of those people that were invited to those parties? Did you receive an invitation? It's okay if you didn't. In fact, I would dare say that we would be surprised if we went around and talked to everyone about their experiences as to the people who did or did not get invited to those parties. Now, typically, when you would have these invitations, that would mark you as someone who was likable, sociable, popular, if I can use that word, especially in high school. All the popular kids had the right place of where to hang out. They all knew where the, the get-together was going on, so to speak. Um, but I think we'd be surprised as to those who never received an invitation. And this brings us to the inherent problem with parties and invitations. It's the fact that there's always going to be someone who's excluded from them. There's always going to be someone left out. Now, it could be because there's a lack of food, I only have money to feed 200 people. I can't invite the other 300 people that I know. That's always a problem when you have a wedding, right? You're always saying, how many people are we going to invite? Because if I invite this family, I have to invite that family and that family, and then I have to get those people, and, and it begins to add up. But you don't have money to feed all those people. And it could also be a scheduling conflict. Quite simply enough, all of a sudden, you, you find out certain days don't work as well as people often get not invited because the people doing the inviting don't like them, right? That's a, that's a very pragmatic way of looking at it, is that there are people that you just don't invite because you don't want to invite them. And so inherently within our human nature, whenever we throw a party, someone is going to be left out. But that's the problem. We always are looking at things within our human nature, when it comes to God, when it comes to how God works, there is something different. There is no being left out. In fact, uh, there is one party that everyone has received an invitation to. And that's what we're going to look at today. And we're going to look at this invitation, how it's been offered to everyone, but also how that impacts then the, the church and, and our actions and our, our, our insights and how we perceive our community. So as we begin to look at the story today, it should come as to no surprise the different elements we see here. It's been the same three stories. It's been the same kind of theme going all throughout, and it's repeating the same idea, which, as a side note, whenever God has to repeat himself three times, realize that that's not good, okay? Um, kind of like a parent if God has to continue to repeat himself to try to get you to listen to the point, that means that he's not going to be happy with you. And usually punishment follows it, okay? So, so if anything else, 
let's, uh, let's be about the practice of if God begins to critique us for something, we listen once instead of the third time, because it's so much better if we learn the lesson at the beginning than at the end. But we have this three times now, but it's, it's begun to be changed a bit. First off, it's the fact that this parable is about a party. The last two have been about working. The son's going out into the field to work. It's about a party. Now, this is strange. This is, this is odd a bit to have, have God, uh, to have a, a parable of, of a party going on. But even more so, we have the fact that not all the people who are attending are the same people that were spoken about in the previous parables. So let's, let's uh, break this down a bit because I'm getting ahead of myself just a tad. The king in the story is God, right? Fairly simple to, to catch. The, the son of the king who is a part of the wedding banquet is the son of God who is Jesus. Yep, there we go. Uh, uh, Christianity 101. Uh, the son of God is Jesus. And then, and then we have the, the people who were originally invited, who are the Israelites, okay? These were all the people who had the promise, but they rejected it. So then when the servants go out to bring in more people, they bring in both the good and the bad. Now, this is where it gets a little tricky because the religious leaders would be the ones who are initially being left out. And instead of rejecting all of Israel, Jesus is telling this parable as if some Jews still had hope of entering into the kingdom. Because he says both the good and the bad people. And Jesus is using those words not as a critique of people as if they are actually good or bad. But because the, in the vernacular of the day, Jews would look at those who kept the law as good. And those tax collectors, the prostitutes, any Gentile, anyone who wasn't an Israelite, they would be the bad people. And so he's saying both good and bad people were being then brought into the wedding banquet. And so there's, there's this slight modification saying that it's no longer just pushing all the Israelites out, where the previous two parables were kind of isolating all the Israelites, saying you've all have failed, and now I'm opening it up to the Gentiles. Now we have this incorporation of there's still hope for the Israelites as well. So now this, this party idea, let's, let's go back to this here. There's a party, party, party happening there's a celebration, right? The wedding banquet where, where God is celebrating the feast. This, this is a real thing. If you read in Revelation, what happens at the end of all times when all things are brought under God's authority, there is a wedding feast where the son hands over the keys of authority to God and everything is made right again. Can we, can we stop and just think about the fact that God might possibly like to party? Like, is, is, is there a reality in which we can conceive that God likes to celebrate, have fun, lay back and cut loose? Like, is, is, there, is there anything within our lives that we can say, hey, God actually likes to have fun and wants us to have fun? If you've missed that, you've first of all, missed the entire point of the Sabbath, which was the Sunday school 
lesson this morning. Um, but even more so, you've, you miss the point of being a Christian. The worst thing that has ever happened to the church is that we have forgotten how to have fun, how to party. Now, I'm not talking about partying in the way that the world parties. That's, that's not it, what was described, what we read about in Exodus, about the Israelites when they turned away from God and started uh, reveling in, in, that, in that idolatry. That's not the kind of partying that God wants. Uh, but, but he's talking about a godly party here. This is a celebration. God wants to have fun, and he wants his creation to have fun, to enjoy just in that alone, if we could learn anything, it would be to how to party and to show the world how to, how to have a celebration in a godly way. To let them know that we can have fun, we can laugh, we can enjoy ourselves. That was one of the best things about the harvest party, in my opinion, that we had, uh, what was it, last week? Was that it was a good, godly celebration where people just came and we had fun, we laughed. But there was nothing bad about it. So now, within this parable, there are a few key ideas that we need to, uh, we need to look at together that, that shapes uh, a little bit more of this invitation idea that I've been addressing. The first key that we need to talk about is the idea of an open table, okay? When the king finds out no one wants to come to his party, besides the fact that he goes and rampages their cities and destroys them, um, he goes and sends his servants out into all the city, telling everyone. He just says, I, I don't care who you get. I don't, care, I don't care who you find on the streets. Tell everyone, come. Come now. I've killed the, fa the, the fatted calves. I've killed the oxen. The, the food's ready. Everything is going to be fun, and it's prepared for you. Just come. It's a very important concept that we cannot miss. We can't just read over it thinking, okay, well, then he invited more people to the party. No, he invited everyone. Everyone receives an invitation from God to take part within his kingdom. And this is important for us because unlike the parties in high school or college, no one's excluded, right? No one is being left out here. There is no limitation to God when it comes to inviting people. And this is really good news for us. This is very good news. Because that means that not only have we been invited, but every single person we've ever met, every person we've talked with, ate with, yelled at, everyone has been invited to participate within this kingdom. And church, this is reason, this is reason alone to celebrate. Think, think about the goodness and love of God. Just think about it. The, how, how loving God must be to offer such a blessing to people who never once asked for it. Never once sought it out. As far as I know, none of us pursued God. None of us woke up one morning and said, I, I need to find this God person. I need to understand more about who God is. And there, there was, it always, he always came to us. He always approached us. The invitation was always given to us first before we could ever do anything about it. As well as to the people we struggle with, the, the, 
The person who struggles with homosexuality has received the same invitation. The person who is struggling with alcoholism, the person who is struggling with adultery, the person who is struggling with anger, the person who, who doesn't even have enough money to rub two pennies together, as well as the Scrooge McDucks of the world, everyone has been invited. Oh, how deep the love of God must be to invite everyone regardless. Can we rejoice in that for a moment? Can, can we give God praise in the fact that he invited everyone without any partiality, without any judgment, without, without any restrictions? He just says, all of you, come. Come enjoy. Come to my party. Even the worst of our enemies. Like, how good must our God be to do that. And yet, there's always a twist, right? This is, this is the twist. And, and as I prepared for this message, I spoke with a couple of pastors online in our, our, our private group, as uh, we, we often do. And uh, some of the pastors were struggling with this. They were saying, I wish we were preaching from the Luke version of this instead of the Matthew version, because the Matthew version is just weird. And, and, and I have to agree, because it throws in this little twist at the end. Look at verses 11 through 14. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing a wedding robe. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. This is an odd twist. And many of us would, would look at it and say, wait a minute, I thought the king wanted everyone to come. I thought the king wanted to fill his hall with guests to enjoy this party. So why then is he kicking someone out because they're not wearing the right kind of clothes? Well, there's a very good reason for this. The person coming dressed in their normal clothes was making a statement to the king. And the statement goes like this. I do not respect or appreciate the invitation enough to go home and change into the proper clothes that would reflect how honored I am to be invited. The man was insulting the king by not being willing to change his clothes. This is, uh, this is important because there must be a response to the invitation that is fitting of the request. There must be a response to the invitation that is fitting to the request. And that same holds true for our acceptance into the kingdom of God. We are called to clothe ourselves with holiness because of the invitation we've received from God. Just because God has invited everyone to come does not mean everyone will make it. Just because he passed out the invitation to everyone doesn't mean everyone will accept it. Doesn't mean everyone will take seriously the call to change in order to stay 
Within the Wesleyan holiness tradition, we, uh, obviously as it's in the name, promote this idea of holiness, of right living. And we do so more than other denominations, and we do that for a very specific reason. Now, I, I did not come up with this next phrase myself. Uh, I wish I had, but I didn't. It came from the New Beacon Bible Commentary, and I'll just quote it here. Um, the author says, Continual participation in the kingdom requires transformation. Continual participation within the kingdom requires transformation. You see, we can, we can accept Jesus all we want. We can name him as king all we want, but until we put on those wedding robes, until we dress appropriately, showing that there is a response to the invitation that is equal to the importance of that invitation, we can't participate. Even scripture says demons can say that Christ is Lord and shudder. Even, even demons know that Christ is the Messiah but that doesn't mean they get to participate within the kingdom of God. And so it's important for us then to, to be transformed, to put on these robes of holiness so that then we might continue in with this participation that we seek. Now, I want to be clear here, uh, when, when we talk about this, uh, when we talk about living a holy life, when we talk about this, this right living, um, it, it's not about perfection, okay? It, it's not about trying to be perfect in this life. It's not trying to talk about having a, a self-righteousness where we do everything the way we should and we follow a, a checklist of rules. That's not what the, the holiness message is trying to present. Um, we believe and we affirm that no one can be perfect. No one can live a perfect life except for Christ, this side of God's kingdom, but continuously throughout the Bible, we are called to be holy as our Heavenly Father is holy. It is said in Torah, as the law is given to the Israelites, as well as Christ himself says it. Now, forgive me for thinking so, so, uh, so childishly, but if Jesus was to say something, I think it would be kind of important, don't you think? If Jesus is to say be holy as your heavenly Father is holy, I would dare say that he is addressing something that we can do and should do. So then what would that be? How would we be holy as our heavenly Father is holy? Well, we reflect the likeness of Christ. We look to the one who was perfect, and every day we take steps in that direction to be like him because he is the direct reflection of God, the Father. And so we exchange things like our hate for love, our greed for generosity, our pride for humility. We exchange these things in our lives. Every day we wake up, we pray, Holy Spirit, may there be less of me today and more of you. Help me to bury more of myself in the grave so that more of you can be raised, to use resurrection terminology. And so we, we continuously find ways to change our lives so that we can 
put the robes on so we can be transformed. Because if we don't, if we fail to do that, uh, we stand the same chance as the man who was at the wedding and suddenly found himself bound hand and foot and tossed out into the darkness. It's not just enough to know that Jesus is Lord. There has to be a transformation within our lives. Now, I want us to end on a, a positive note, on an encouraging note here. And, and I know that this, this passage, especially at, we, we jumped over some of the more gruesome parts. Uh, there, there's a lot of despair here. There's a lot of depression that could be said about this passage because, yes, there's punishment. Those people who rejected were, were punished by the king, and, and yes, there will be those who will think that they are entering the kingdom, but will find that they have not put on the wedding robes and will be kicked out. So yes, there are some really bad things happening here, but, but just, just right now, can we focus on the fact that God's love and compassion has been so far-reaching that the invitation has been given to everyone? Can we focus on the fact that he has, he has said everyone is welcome, everyone can come? And, and just what that means for our lives here as we try to love others, as we try to reach out, as we, as we see people, our neighbors, our coworkers, Instead of seeing the things that we dislike about them, instead of seeing the things that frustrate us or nag us, let us see a person who was invited into the kingdom of God and might just need some help changing into the proper robe. May we rejoice in that. And within ourselves, may we every day learn how to live more and more like him. May we not stop working within our own lives to reflect Christ. As we leave today, I want you to hear the words of Paul who expresses this idea very succinctly in, in 1 Corinthians 9, 27 and 28. He says, So I do not run aimlessly, nor do I box as though beating the air but I punish my body and enslave it so that after proclaiming to others, I myself might not be disqualified. Even Paul, working throughout his ministry, continuously reflected on himself and saying, have I, have I put on the robes? Have, have I become more like Christ or not? Because I don't want to just proclaim to others so that they might be saved, but then find out that somehow I am disqualified. I don't want to find out somehow that I have missed something within myself. And so he, what does he do? He punishes his body and enslaves it. He, he continuously is looking into himself and saying, Lord, what else must be refined so that after doing your work, I might not be disqualified? May that be our prayer today, that after doing the work of Christ, we might not be disqualified. Let us pray this morning. Holy God, thank you for being a God who truly does love parties and celebrations. Thank you that we have a celebration waiting for us 
that at the end of all times, when all things are brought into you and under your authority, Lord, that, that there will be a wedding feast like none other. And thank you that all have been invited. We did not lack resources. There is no scheduling conflicts. And you hated no one so much that you did not invite them. I pray, Lord, that you might help us proclaim this invitation to others. May we be the mouthpiece by which people hear that they too have been invited to your kingdom. But may we also, may we also not stop there. May we be transformed. May we allow your Holy Spirit to fill us and change us in such a magnificent way that, that we become less of who we are and more like your Son. Lord, may we not find ourselves disqualified at the end because we were not willing to beat our bodies, to enslave our bodies, to take captive of every vice and every Thing that fills our humanity and corrupts us, that we were not willing to take that captive for you. May we not find ourselves in that place. But may we be robed in your holiness, shining like your sun. As we end today, I encourage you to raise your hands for the blessing of the benediction. Giving and forgiving God. You created the good earth and blessed it. Give us glad and generous hearts that we may rejoice and give thanks for the abundance of your creation, the depths of your mercy, and your care for all. Amen. I now send you out into your communities to make Christ-like disciples. Go in the grace of God. God bless you.